Chapter 22 Sectioned I awoke in a box. It was dark in the box, but light seeped in through cracks around the lid. I squeezed out my arms from my shoulders to test its width, feeling with my hands and found the box was exactly coffin-shaped. Then I screamed. But the babbling of voices inside my brain overwhelmed the screams from my mouth. The demon Azathoth muttered in languages unknown to man, the speech of seaweed and burned oil. Words came from the soft eggs of ragged worms and filled my nose and my ears and my intestines. From inside my coffin I kept screaming, but no one listened. Until after around half an hour I gave up screaming and merely whimpered. From the bumping and rumbling, what sanity remained in my mind knew I was being transported from somewhere to somewhere, but I couldn't remember where I had been or where I was. From real world to game world to dream world, my mind bounced like a rubber ball. In that cloying darkness, I didn't sleep, but I didn't wake either. The madness was a babbling dream state, a nightmare that couldn't be switched off. I remembered strong men grabbing me. They must have taken the box from whichever vehicle I was in. I seemed to remember black vans, like the one that had taken Miranda. Similar, but not the same for she had been a cold one and I was only warm. They took me into a building, though perhaps I dreamed that too. Then they dragged me from a coffin like a whelk from its shell. Standing, sweating and thin, I vomited noisily onto the floor and was rewarded by a slap across the face from the gloved hand of a uniformed woman. I recognised the miskatonic logo and the black uniforms of the guards around me, but that recognition was dwarfed and inverted by the gibbering screams and the smell of burning rubber. Something burned, and I thought it was me. I saw Miranda's sad eyes and her writhing mealworm arms. When it was done, they dragged me by my feet and shackled me. They pinioned my arms behind me with plastic cable ties. The men prodded me forward, and I lurched through double doors. I was in an old Victorian building that smelled of disinfectant. Cold wastes of interstellar space chilled me. Dark suns rose within my chest. Lines of code wrapped round me like measuring tape and became a hangman's knot. I dribbled and drooled. My hair was plastered with sweat across my forehead, face lolling down. Someone asked me questions. I couldn't answer even if I'd wanted to, but my silence and mumbling provoked another slap until a precise, educated voice said, Could you please stop that? I sat dazed, shackled to a seat, a plastic seat, and looked up. The guards stood behind me, but in front were three people. A woman came forward and shook my hand. I took her grasp limply and stared at her fingers until she pulled them away. I'm Sue, she said. Her voice was kind. She tilted her head to regard me gently. I'm a social worker. I'm here with Dr. Muller. She indicated a blonde, middle-aged woman standing behind her, smiling softly. In another place, I might find her attractive. And Dr. Chowdhury. They are psychiatrists. We are independent of miskatonic health care. She glared at the guards, and I will be putting in a report about their abuse of you. My head slipped, and the voices came up as a roaring inside me. Abysses split, and I plunged between them. Adam? Adam, can you hear me? Sue was speaking again. We are here to assess your mental health and decide whether you need to go into hospital. She was genuinely trying to be kind. I almost laughed. Kind was cold, was cold, was killed. I burst into laughter while they looked at me pityingly, but I was happy. 
I liked the way the syllables ran like little ducks to water. The rest of the assessment was a blur. The doctors and the social worker took turns in questioning me and asking me about my medical history and whether I had suffered any previous mental ill health. It seemed they had my health records from Data Corps who noted the history of anxiety and depression on my psychological assessment. I heard birds whistling in the pipes. Dr. Muller turned to Dr. Chowdhury. I think it's another case of video game-induced psychosis. There's so much more of it these days with the immersive types of video games. They should regulate them. Sue said, but not everybody who plays the games becomes psychotic. Dr. Muller indicated me in my seat, but I think there's no question he needs to come into hospital. It's not safe for him to live at home. Sue said, I'll ask him. She turned to me and handed me a handkerchief. When I didn't use it, she wiped the spit from my chin herself. I'm so sorry, Adam, she said. I don't think you're very well. She turned to Dr. Muller, who nodded sadly, then turned back. We think you need a period in hospital to get better. I was beyond caring. All that time I was being carried forward by a river of molten pitch, and my bones had fossilized and turned to diamonds in my mind. At the end of the tunnel, Azathoth waited. Nothing but a huge mouth throbbing like an enormous invertebrate. Sue continued, I'm going to make an application for you to be detained under the Mental Health Act of 2021 for a period of up to 28 days for assessment and treatment of your mental disorder. You have a right to an independent tribunal and the nurses here, she glanced up coldly at the uniformed guards behind me, will help you make that appeal. It is their duty under law to do that. I threw back my head and wailed. Sue's face creased with concern. I sincerely wish you a speedy recovery and hope you feel better very soon. And they were gone, the team of three. With the paperwork completed to detain me in the asylum, the nurses dragged me forward and threw me into a room with a single bed and a barred window at the top of the wall. There was a toilet made of stainless steel with no seat and only a button to flush, not a handle. There was no ligature point of any kind in the room so the patients couldn't hang themselves in their despair and rather than death releasing them, they had to suffer the full torture of their illness. I lay on the cold stone floor, even though the bed, with its thin sheet, was beside me. Time passed. Nurses came to find me, all uniformed in black. Something in me resisted, and I fought back against their rough grasp. When I fought, they threw me down face first on the cold floor and pinioned me with their knees in my back, while they dragged down my trousers and injected me into my buttock. Whatever they injected in me let me sleep at least. At first, all was black, but then it released me into the realm of the old gods. I drifted like an empty husk through the wastes of space and floated like a discarded egg sac through deep water. In interstellar space, I heard the singing of the water things of the Serenian Sea, and saw rivers of blood from the butcheries of Caliphaeus. I spoke in the soft language of the cats of Ulthar, and was devoured by the wind spirits on the unknown height of Kadath. I spent a long time in that place, though I don't know how long. All sense of time was removed from me. They injected me periodically with potent antipsychotics, but they made no difference to my schizoid state. The only thing that eased the horror that devoured me the copious benzodiazepines and opiates that allowed me to dream of mind-eating poppies as carelessly as if they were flowers on a sunny day. Adam, Adam, a woman in black was shaking me. I looked up and recognized her as a nurse. Adam, do you remember me? 
I shook my head. I remembered no one. You have to come out for a smoke. I knew I didn't smoke. I tried to object, but she had her hand around my arm, gripping tight. I knew by now that resistance to the nurses was useless, and if I fought, all that happened was more of them came, and I still ended up being held down and injected. But I didn't move. She dragged me up. You have to come out for a smoke. Passively, I stood and followed her. I heard the unlocking of doors, the sound of tumblers opening. I was aware of a breeze in my face. It was raining, and I didn't have a coat. At the security gate, the conversation entered my head but made no sense to me. This is the pass. We're taking NY657 to the experimental facility, see? They say he's special. Here, here's the pass. It's signed here by the doctor. The guard nodded and opened the door. See you later, Lucy. You going to the pub tonight? The nurse with me smiled and replied, Yeah, I think so. What time does it start? Around seven? The guard nodded. I waved as the nurse Lucy took me out of the asylum at Colney Hatch. I was in a car. Another man joined us, not dressed in black. He spoke to Lucy. Damn, he's bad. You've got the receipt? The man handed Lucy a piece of paper. It's authentic looking, it's the best. They won't be able to tell. Anyway, they never check on the people they send to the experimental facility. Once they go there, they're finished. You know, if I get caught... The man put his hand on Lucy's shoulder. You won't get caught, Lucy, and we really appreciate you doing this. You know it's for the greater good. Lucy nodded grimly. Mostly I know that. The rest of the time I'm scared. The man spoke to me. Adam, it's Gary Preston. Do you remember meeting me? I grunted. We met in game two. I'm Guy Philby there. I was aware of Lucy leaving. Gary explained. She's one of the good ones. We can't get everybody out, but you have great promise. You've done so well in the game so far. We need people like you on the inside. The singing in my head distracted me. I less than half understood what Gary Preston was saying. The car drove along lots of roads, crossing into inner London, then going down a quiet residential street with tall buildings. The car stopped and pulled up behind a house in a parking place overshadowed with trees. Gary opened the car door and took me gently by the arm and led me into a big house. Gary peered into my face. I have a neural net here and some goggles, but you're going to need to take an inducer drug. The only cure is to go back into the game.